18-year-old Isabella Guzman lived in Aurora, Colorado with her mother and stepfather. The relationship between the mother and daughter could be described as anything other than great, with her mother sending her to live with her father for a while as a means to help with her disobedience. As a young adult, Isabella struggled in a life filled with behavioral issues. Accused of being disrespectful toward her mother and even spitting in her mother's face, it would soon all come to a head on the night of August 28, 2013, when her mother, Yoon Mi, would be brutally murdered in her bathroom, having been stabbed 79 times in the face and neck. The unsightly crime left many enraged. Even authorities had trouble keeping their temper. Soon, the world would become privy to a dangerous tale of mental illness and abuse. However, many wonder if her plea of insanity is true. But probably the most shocking event was Isabella's popularity which soared on TikTok during her trial, making her a viral teen killer. So did Isabella Guzman suffer from mental illness and abuse, or is she just a cold-blooded killer? Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources can be found at tamsinleecrimsonsin.podbean.com. You can also find it in the description. This episode references to mental illness, so if you or someone you know is experiencing any mental health issues, please seek help. You can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at 1-800-662-HELP. Again, that is 1-800-662-4357. Or you can visit www.mental.com. S-A-M-H-S-A dot gov to find the help you need. You can also find these resources in today's show notes. So just as a disclaimer, I am sorry if you hear any um, jingle bells in the background. I have cats and my Christmas tree is up. So yeah, they're having fun climbing my tree and driving me crazy right now. So if you do hear some jingle bells, I'm sorry for that. Today's case brings us to Aurora, Colorado, where a teenager was accused of killing her own mother, fueled with hatred and mental illness. But what makes this case truly bizarre is the widespread TikTok fame that came along with her crime, which is a little unsettling, but we will get into that later. Growing up, Isabella Guzman was known for having behavioral issues ever since she was young. At one point when Isabella was around 7 years old, her mother, Yoon Mi Hoi, sent her to live with her biological father, Robert Guzman, because of these issues. Eventually, she would move back in with her mother. Unfortunately, the behavioral issues continued to escalate, with her dropping out of high school threatening her mother, and even spitting in her face. By August 2013, the mother and daughter were not on good terms. According to Isabella's stepfather, Ryan Hoy, she became even more threatening and disrespectful 
toward her mother, always getting into arguments. But it appears that the only person Isabella harbored any negative emotion toward was her mother, as family members described her as an affectionate and loving person, as well as a normal teenager. No one could imagine her becoming violent. On August 27th, 2013, there was a nasty argument between the two, where it was reported that Yoon Mi's face was split. The next morning, the mother received an email from her daughter stating, You will pay. Yoon Mi was terrified, so she called the police, stating that she was afraid of her daughter. That afternoon, authorities come to the house to talk to Isabella, telling her that she needs to respect her mother and follow her rules or she could legally kick her out. I mean, she was 18 years old, so if she was in fear for her life, or obviously just wanted to, she could have kicked her daughter out of her home. Yunmi also called Isabella's father, Robert, asking him to speak with her. Robert recalled arriving at Yunmi's home later that evening and talking with his daughter about people needing to have respect for their parents. After the talk, he left, confident that his words had some positive impact on his daughter. Unfortunately, only a few short hours later, he would receive a phone call that would change their lives forever. On Wednesday, August 28, 2013, 47-year-old Yoon Mi Hoi returned home from work from her portrait studio with dinner around 9.30 p.m. She asked her husband where Isabella was. Ryan stated that she was home, but he wasn't exactly sure where in the house she was. Yunmi decided to go take a shower before her and her husband would go for a walk. After ascending upstairs to take a shower, Ryan remained downstairs to eat his dinner, when suddenly a loud thump shook the house. The noise was soon followed by a blood-curdling scream from Yoon-mi calling out to her husband. Ryan immediately stops what he's doing to get to his wife, whose screams were only intensifying. Her husband makes it to the bathroom door, which was cracked. He could hear the shower running. Suddenly, the door slammed shut and was locked. He attempted to break in several times, but was unsuccessful, as someone was pushing back against the door. Still, Ryan continued trying to break the door down. While still unsuccessfully trying to force his way into the bathroom, he also calls authorities, as he can only helplessly listen to his wife's screams and the brutal attack occurring on the other side. As he continues trying to force his way into the bathroom, he soon notices a pool of blood starting to seep out from under the bathroom door. The screams that once filled the house was now replaced by an eerie silence. Once it was completely quiet, the door finally opened. 18-year-old Isabella Guzman stood over her mother's lifeless body with a bloodied knife in her hand. Her pink sports bra and turquoise shorts covered in her mother's blood. Without saying a word or looking at her stepfather, 
She quickly runs past him as he stood there completely dumbfounded by the scene in front of him. The bathroom was completely covered in Yunmin's blood. His wife's naked body was covered in stab wounds and lay next to a baseball bat. While still on the phone with 911, Ryan desperately tried to resuscitate his wife, but she was already dead. When law enforcement arrived at the scene, they found Ryan Hoy standing with blood on his hands and clothing. He notified them that his stepdaughter left the house wielding a knife. Authorities searched the house and property, but were only able to find the victim lying on the bathroom floor upstairs. Isabella was already gone. Investigators found that Yoon Mi's throat had been slashed and she'd been stabbed at least 79 times in the head, neck, and torso. Yoon Mi Hoi was pronounced dead at the scene at 10.28 p.m. The autopsy would later reveal that Yoon Mi was stabbed 31 times in the face. A search for the teenager was underway, and the public was notified that the teenager was armed and dangerous. They tried searching for her using pings from cell phone towers, but to no avail as her phone was turned off. However, it only took them a little over 12 hours to locate Isabella, who was hiding in a parking garage, her clothing still covered in her mother's blood. Unfortunately for investigators, they had no idea just what they were dealing with. After capturing the teenager, authorities conducted their interview where Isabella claimed that she was actually a 15-year-old girl named Samantha Gonzalez, who ran away from home in Ohio. Claiming to be someone else, she stated that she was walking through the parking garage as a shortcut to meet her boyfriend. When armed officers swarmed her with their guns drawn. However, investigators knew that this was a lie, even calling her by her real name, Isabella, which really annoyed her. However, they continued calling her by her real name and accused her of murdering her mother. Still, she continued to deny being Isabella and denied murdering anyone even requesting to be fingerprinted. She believed that if the investigators fingerprinted her, they would see that she really was Samantha Gonzalez and not Isabella Guzman, so she could go meet her boyfriend. Which, really, this wouldn't work unless they already had Isabella's fingerprints in their database. But anyway, as she continued with her story of a mistaken identity, investigators were not having it. The detectives continued their accusations, trying to get a rise out of Isabella, asking if this act made her feel powerful or if she could rewind back 12 hours, if she would still murder her mother. But still, she maintained that her name was Samantha, and her only regret was walking through a parking garage as a shortcut to only be mistaken for some other girl. But she wasn't just merely taking an innocent stroll through this parking garage as she claimed. She was actually hiding. Isabella was seen by a person who was in the parking garage and notified authorities of a teenager 
matching Isabella's description, sleeping in a blue Jeep. This person thought it was odd for the teenager to be in the vehicle and thought the items sitting outside the Jeep were suspicious. So they decided to alert officers of the individual. After catching Isabella, law enforcement was also able to find numerous pieces of evidence from the crime scene that she was unable to conceal. During the interrogation, investigators refused to acknowledge any of Isabella's lies. She even stated that they were only going around in circles, and it was true. Isabella was not letting up on her mistaken identity claim, and investigators were aggressively telling her they did not believe her. But something very interesting from this video is that Isabella wholeheartedly believes that she is a 15-year-old girl named Samantha, even offering to be fingerprinted. This shows that she believes she can easily be proven innocent. This indicates that she may have some mental issues. However, I'm on the fence about it. Is it really mental health issues or just the unwavering stubbornness of a teenager? After unsuccessfully trying their best to get her to admit that she was Isabella Guzman, the detectives decided to start asking her other questions without using names. They simply just started generalizing the questions, so instead of calling her Isabella or Samantha, they gave her general questions such as, what do you think would cause a person to kill their own mother? After approaching her this way, it appeared that Isabella started to open up a little more, stating that her own mother hated her because she was an illegitimate child who destroyed her marriage. She further claimed that her mother was a horrible person, but she didn't hate her. She stated her mother was scary. But this was to her speaking as if she was Samantha. But still, there has to be a little bit of truth in how she feels towards her mother, right? The detectives asked if her mother would beat her, to which she said that her mother used weapons to hurt her, showing them her hands and arms which her hands had cuts from what she claimed to be a pair of scissors, and her arm had a wound from a police dog biting her earlier, which she denied a police dog bit her to the detectives, claiming that it was just a scar, and how odd the coincidence was that Isabella had gotten a scar there and was, was bitten by a dog. I don't know. It was just... Watching that whole interrogation was just mind-boggling and slightly confusing. So investigators then ask what her boyfriend's name is, which she stated Gabriel Adams. When they requested she call him in order to clear up this misunderstanding, she claimed that he threw his phone away, so she couldn't. Detectives would then bring in bags of items belonging to Isabella. After she fled the crime scene, she went to a grocery store. The items in the bag were purchased by a woman who took pity on the girl who appeared dirty and disheveled at the local H-Mart. This kind woman also provided Isabella with her phone number in case she needed anything else. Eventually, the investigators take a swab to perform a DNA test, which she is more than willing to provide 
As she had been requesting one, including her fingerprints to be taken, the entire time she had been in custody. However, she did not seem to fully understand just how long it takes to receive the results from a DNA test. It never occurred to her that this type of testing would take six to eight months. Still, she remained that the results would prove she was not Isabella and she could simply just walk free. The entire interrogation was interesting to say the least, if not really frustrating to watch. Isabella did not appear affected by the fact that she was arrested for first-degree murder at all. The detectives who were conducting the interview were a bit forceful in my opinion, bordering harassment with off-the-cuff remarks and I believe they could have conducted this interview better. However, it is chilling how nonchalant Isabella was. Even at being accused of being a cold-blooded killer and having no soul, she kept the same monotonous tone. Before continuing with the interrogation, let's go back to the previous day after the crime was committed. The day of the crime, detectives received valuable information from her stepfather, Ryan Hoy. He claimed that his wife told him that she was very uncomfortable with Isabella living in the house, stating that her daughter had spit in her face and made nasty and threatening remarks. Ryan furthered that Yun Mi had shared with him an email from Isabella that read, you will pay, the contents of which deeply disturbed her. But the email was not made out to Yun Mi. Instead, it was written to a woman named Cecilia. Neither Yun Mi or Ryan knew anyone named Cecilia. Describing his impression of his stepdaughter, Ryan stated that she is a very hot-tempered person who runs her mouth like crazy. However, he states that she also seems horribly depressed about her life and blamed her mother for her misery. He further elaborated with a previous incident from five years prior that sets an example of how short Isabella's fuse was. According to Ryan, she had walked down to the basement to grab a fan that belonged to him. When he did not allow her to take it, she supposedly grew violent, punching Ryan in the face. Yoon Mi and Ryan had been married for 13 years, so he had a pretty good idea of Isabella's character. When Isabella was three years old, her mother and father divorced. One year later, Yoon Mi started a relationship with Ryan Hoy. Due to Isabella's disobedience, Yoon Mi sent her daughter to live with her biological father when she was seven years old, in hopes that she would learn to be more respectful to people while living with him. However, Isabella continued to act out and seemed to have a problem with her father when he remarried. Soon, Isabella would move back in with her mother and stepfather when she was 14. Ryan recalled that after speaking with authorities and her father, 
Isabella seemed perfectly fine, but it was apparent that she was not happy with her mother for calling the police on her, which who would be, right? He furthered that after the dispute, Yunmi went to work, leaving Ryan and Isabella home. He did not really speak with Isabella the rest of the evening and had no idea that she was plotting the murder of her mother. While Isabella made several threatening claims to her mother, no one thought she was capable of such violent acts. The days leading up to the murder, Ryan stated that his wife was on pins and needles because of everything that had happened around Isabella. Yun Mi told her husband that things between her and Isabella had become a lot worse, Considering that Isabella was cussing her mom out and spitting in her face, I would say that that was an understatement. But over the past couple of weeks, Isabella appeared to hold a lot of anger toward her mother. Ryan explained that his wife was strong-minded and would tell Isabella, No, you shut up and get out. To which he felt that Isabella must have took those things to heart. Personal opinion, I don't think a parent should really talk to their child this way, but even though we are not sure of everything that went on in that household, I think it is somewhat safe to say that Yunmi was tired of her child being disrespectful toward her and just throwing Isabella's words back at her. Was it right to do so? Probably not, but you know, when you've had enough, you've just had enough. As a parent, you always want to be there to help your child and provide for them, but I think both would have been a lot better off if they were not living together. And with that being said, it would probably have helped a lot if they went to see a therapist or, you know, have Isabella evaluated. I saw that in the interview with Ryan, he stated that they did have Isabella evaluated by a psychologist and they said that nothing was wrong with her. So maybe they just needed a second opinion or, you know, I mean, I don't know. This case was very confusing and just, I don't know, something was really off about it. So while conducting interviews, investigators also sat down to talk with a friend of Isabella's named Kathy and Isabella's ex-boyfriend named Tony in order to gain a little more insight into her life outside of her family. Kathy claimed that the three of them would smoke marijuana from time to time and claimed that Isabella had become spiritual during the past year, which resulted in Isabella becoming increasingly quiet. The friend further stated that on Monday, August 26th, she received a text from Isabella calling Kathy a derogatory term and ended the text with, I know what you did. Kathy stated that she responded back, asking her what she was talking about, but Isabella never messaged back. On August 28th, Kathy received another message from Isabella stating, The astro beam has awakened. Again, Kathy questioned what she meant, but did not receive a response. Her ex-boyfriend, Tony, told investigators that they had broken up a week before this incident 
after having been together for three years and was shocked to hear of her actions. The couple broke up because Isabella believed that Tony was cheating on her with her friend Kathy, which would explain the text Isabella sent to her friend stating she knew what she did. However, he told investigators that he did not have a romantic relationship with Kathy. He also told them that a couple days before August 28th, he went to Isabella's house to drop off some of her belongings. When she answered the door, she instantly became furious and started attacking him with a golf club. Tony claimed that he wasn't there on the day of the murder, but detectives informed him that Ryan stated he saw Tony at the home. He then recounted that at about 5 p.m. he tried to call Isabella, but she didn't answer, so he went into the house and went upstairs to grab a few of his things from the closet. But he did not see Isabella. But things didn't end there. It was determined that he was lying about being at the house the previous day when Isabella attacked him. It was, in fact, the same day of the murder, which obviously made investigators grow suspicious of him. Tony further indicated that at one point, Isabella claimed Yoon Mi allegedly tried to poison her and their dogs. Isabella stated that she became very ill after eating something from the fridge and claimed to have smelled the odor of bleach coming from the dog's water bowls. These instances have never been proven. Tony stated that he never witnessed a physical altercation between Yunmi and Isabella, but has seen verbal arguments between the mother and daughter. He also stated that Isabella confided in him another incident where she claimed her mother poked her in the back of the head with a pair of scissors and stated that she wished for she and her daughter to die together. However, the investigator did not believe Tony's claims. Back to Isabella's interview with authorities. After authorities perform a cheek swab on Isabella, they decide to entertain the idea of her claims of a mistaken identity, asking who they could contact to prove she is who she says she is. She refused to call her mother, stating that she wasn't going to call someone who stabbed her with scissors, claiming she was trying to get away from that woman. If she knew where she was, then she would have to run away again. So they asked her who her father was. To which she stated she didn't know who he was because her mother whored around a lot. She was an illegitimate child. Continuing that her father must be a Mexican since her last name is Gonzalez. She further detailed that her mother's name is Sabrina Hicks, who lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. However, the address she provided does not exist in Ohio. A similar address exists in Aurora, Colorado, which is located across the street from Isabella's home. So, just to recap, Isabella's claims about being Samantha Gonzalez. She does not know her father's name, claiming to have never met him. She doesn't know the zip code of the Ohio address she provided. She also does not know her mother's birthday. It can only say that her mother works at a grocery store, 
but has no knowledge of which one. They also do not have a phone because it was disconnected. And she doesn't talk to her parents, so she does not know her mother's personal cell phone number. Since this line of questioning was a dead end, authorities decide to question her about the school she claimed to have attended in Ohio, Montgomery High School. The detectives asked if her picture would be in the Montgomery High School yearbook, to which she replied that she skipped picture day. Of course, in reality, Isabella attended Overland High School in Aurora, Colorado before dropping out. Everything to this point has become a dead end in their line of questioning. So, it came to no surprise when authorities contacted law enforcement in Cincinnati only to find that the schools and her supposed home address did not exist. She cannot explain why the officers in Cincinnati would say that her home address and schools don't exist, but the addresses were perfectly fine and accurate in Colorado. So even claiming to be Samantha with these addresses, this whole story, there's not even a leg to stand on. She doesn't give any, any information on how to prove that she's this Samantha person. So authorities decided to move on, trying to prove that Isabella was being caught in a lie. But still, she requested the officers send off the cotton swab so the DNA test would prove her innocent. She believed that having this evidence would allow her to just freely leave, even though she was placed at the crime scene. Isabella continued that she watched forensic files. She knows how this stuff works, and they couldn't lie to her about everything. The authorities did not handle this well. They really did not handle this well. They ended up calling her stupid for believing things she sees on TV. Which I think we can all agree that it is naive for someone to believe everything they see on TV or on the internet. But the investigator's job was to understand their suspect. Gain answers from their suspect. But it was apparent from the get-go. These officers were having trouble not taking this case personal. They were having trouble having patience with her. And rightfully so, because I would not have patience for all of that either. But it's their job to have a little bit of patience. With the officers more harassing and attacking their suspect, you can tell that their patience was worn thin the instant questioning began. Before the heated questioning goes any further, they informed her they called someone to come to the police department to identify her. She replied that she wants to see her boyfriend Gabriel, which the officers denied. After this, it seems that Isabella becomes a little more coherent in her surroundings. At the beginning of the interrogation, she had told investigators that she was not scared, but now she was even stating to authorities, stabbed a bitch 151 times. She claims the detectives twisted her words as she was referring to Isabella as a bitch, not the victim being a bitch. Then Robert enters the room, positively identifying the girl as his daughter, Isabella Guzman. However, she still claims her name is Samantha, 
digging herself into a deeper hole. Realizing that her claims of mistaken identity are not believed, Isabella completely shuts down. When her father came into the room to identify her, he went to give his daughter a hug, or he really, he got close to her, and she just shriveled back, like in disgust. She asked, you know, who are you? And when he left, she was asking the investigators in the room if Isabella's whole family was insane. So again, it's really weird. Like, I, I really don't know how to read her because usually people that have a mental illness, there's something more to make it more convincing. But for me, I don't want to downplay, like, if she does have a mental illness, I don't want to downplay it, but I just had a hard time believing it. So the detectives bring up the fact that she admitted to being at H Mart again, where the kind lady bought Isabella some things. The detective stated that somebody had called the police department from that specific H Mart, and they had video surveillance. The detective questioned what she thought would be on that video. Of course, she stated that it would just show her in the store. But it also showed her covered in blood. According to witnesses, they stated that Isabella showed up at the store claiming that someone just sexually assaulted her. While it wasn't much, Isabella finally admitted that she did lie to the people at the store. But the blood was from the slices on her hands from the scissors her mother stabbed her with, claiming it was better to say she was raped than to explain her family and home life. But the footage from H Mart showed her walking into the bathroom where they found clothing containing large amounts of blood, as well as blood stains at the scene. There was so much blood that it would be impossible for it to only have come from cuts on a person's hands. But even with all of this evidence, she still maintained that she was Samantha and she was being framed. When the interview was finished, they charged Isabella with first degree murder. So why did she kill her mom? It is reported in court documents that Isabella Guzman had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, where she had been experiencing delusions for years. It was also claimed that she was hearing voices and believed her mother was not Yun Mi, but a woman named Cecilia. She believed that if she did not take Cecilia's life, then the world would come to an end. Isabella's mental illness reportedly also accounted for her abnormal behavior in court. Not only did she refuse to leave her cell, which delayed court proceedings, Isabella smirked and made faces at camera crews once she entered the courtroom. Based on doctors' testimonies, the prosecutor for her case called for Isabella to be placed in a psychiatric facility. Due to this, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity and sent to the Colorado Mental Health Institute in Pueblo, Colorado, which during her trial, she did make some pretty weird faces at the camera, but to me, it just looked like a normal reaction you would receive from any moody teenager. 
to be honest, I think I've seen some moody teenagers make those faces at people who were gawking at them. Hell, I was probably even one of them. <laughs> Isabella also made claims that she had been abused by her mother and stepfather for years. She also stated that her family was Jehovah Witnesses, and when she decided to leave the religion when she was 14, the abuse worsened. I have not found anything in my research to support the claims of abuse, so if anyone has any information on that, please leave that in the comments. Seven years after killing her mother in 2020, Isabella claimed that she was ready to be released, stating that, I was not myself when I did that, and I have since been restored to full health. In 2021, she was granted permission to leave the facility for therapy, in which she must wear a GPS tracker. Isabella was also quoted as stating, If I could change it, or if I could take it back, I would. However, Isabella's notoriety would not end there. In 2020, various TikTok users began posting videos from Guzman's 2013 arraignment. Some were set to the hit Ava Max song, Sweet But Psycho. Others showed creators attempting to imitate Guzman's odd facial expressions from the courtroom. She quickly gained a fan base online. Commenters noted how beautiful she was and said she must have had a good reason for killing her mom, which I beg to disagree with that statement. That is a dangerously bold sentiment to place in the world. No one is too pretty to kill someone, and just because they are attractive does not give them a good reason to murder another person. There is no good reason to commit murder. The only way I see the majority of people sympathizing with a person who kills someone are in cases where they are backed into a corner, you know, kill or be killed. One video compilation of her court hearing gained nearly 2 million views. People even began making fan pages in Isabella's honor on Facebook and Instagram. The TikToks made about Isabella quickly became the source of much controversy with many claiming the videos either romanticized or stigmatized mental illness. The reaction to these videos reportedly showed the deep divide in how the public perceived Isabella and her 2013 actions, which there isn't any reason to make mental illness seem cool or exciting, because I can tell you that it is not. I have known people with different kinds of schizophrenia and it is hell for them. Mental illness is a very serious issue, and if you are not plagued by it, you are very lucky. So I just don't know what to make of this case. I kind of have my doubts about her being schizophrenic, to be honest, because that is a broad term. Do you realize how many different types of schizophrenia there are? Isabella claiming to be a 15-year-old girl named Samantha, does she have DID? Or was she just trying to pass off as someone else in the hopes that it would work? I'm not a psychologist, so I cannot say for certain what is going on with her, but from the interviews and what I found in my research about her past, I just don't really know what to make of this case. But it did irk me a little to know that she gained popularity for being tormented by mental illness and murdering her own mother. 
just stating that that was just astounding. So what are your thoughts on this case? Do you think Isabella Guzman's claims of abuse are justified? I also saw in my research that there was quite a divide amongst netizens whether Isabella is actually mentally sound. What are your thoughts? Do you think she will be able to walk freely with society again? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Also, if there's anything I missed in my research, please feel free to leave those in the comments as well. And I also have a very interesting case to share next time. You're not going to want to miss the next episode. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Stay safe and I will see you for the next episode. Bye.